Blog Talk Radio. Kansas City Chiefs demolished the Las Vegas Raiders yesterday in Kansas City, 48 to nine, and I was very happy about that game. I didn't even know we were still like connected. The music was playing. I don't like the Raiders, so. Oh. So Icon, where are you? Good evening and happy Monday, ladies and gentlemen. It is Monday night. We have broken into Ken's FM just like we do every Monday night. And uh, we are going to have a good show tonight. I have my friends here with me. Uh, We'll start here with uh, Granny Hulkster first. How are you, Granny? Well, I'm very good, despite that Big Swing probably played that nasty intro about touchdown Raiders. You know, my Kansas City Chiefs demolished the Raiders yesterday, 48-9, to which I was very happy about. Well, you know, Big Swing, you know, even though he's never here, uh, he always likes to sneak in uh, every once in a while. And we have a special show here tonight with our co uh, our guest co-host. We have Chrissy Kruger. How are you? I'm doing really good. How are you guys all doing tonight? We're good. Well, we're doing pretty good. It's you know, good to have you. Getting ready for the holidays. Uh, and uh, as you know, you've uh, you've been with us uh, several times. This is now your first time that you've been on the show with us. And it's my third uh, time, right? That you. Well, the 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 third time that you've been on um, officially, but the uh, fifth time you've actually made an appearance on the show. So it's uh, it's awesome that you could uh, take time on your schedule. Club. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let me just go ahead and run down our guests here real quick before our first guest calls in. Uh, it's going to be Director Jeff Schneider. We're also going to have Director Joseph Kelly. And we also going to have uh, wrestling talk show host Sean uh, Kramerers, um as a uh, as a 
unperfected English major. I always have problems with his uh, last name pronouncing that, but uh, he'll set it straight when he's on with us. Um, anyway, we're going to continue here. Granny, you know that we know that you're happy because the Kansas City Chiefs won, and the Icons happy because not only did the Minnesota Vikings win on Thursday night, the NDSU Bison are one win away from going back to Frisco, Texas with a win Friday night. Get this, the game starts at 8.30 p.m. Friday night against James Madison University, JMU. <coughs> JMU and NDSU, of course, have a history. The last time uh, that they played in the Fargo Dome, uh, JMU beat us uh, 27 um, the game was such a sad day in my book. I always try and forget, but they did defeat us 27-17. Uh, the only team to ever beat us in the Fargo Dome in the playoffs. And, of course, then we echoed it right back with them the next year by defeating them in Frisco, Texas, for the national championship. So uh, our record against JMU is 3-1. and one. Uh, we beat them uh, in the Fargo Dome. We're one and one in the Fargo Dome. Two and zero oh in Frisco. Hopefully, make it two and one. And uh, two and zero, oh will, of course, will remain in Frisco. And uh, that's where we're at right now with the NDSU Bison. Of course, the icon will be going to the ticket office tomorrow afternoon to get his tickets. And uh, you know, basically, what you do is you wait in line. You wave your credit card, you tell them your name and your phone number and your seats numbers, and they say, that'll be this amount. How are you paying? Here's my card. Swipe it. Give me my tickets. I'm out the door. And then tailgating Friday night as we wait for another Bison victory. Now, I guess, I guess that's me in a nutshell. I, uh, I guess I should... Uh, you know, uh, talk to uh, Chrissy, find out what's new in your life uh, besides being the uh, the greatest cover model that uh, Bad Diesel magazine has ever had, of course. Well, I wouldn't to me. say that. There's a lot of pretty ladies up on Bad Diesel magazine. I mean, I'm just one of them. Well, I, that, that is true. I mean, there are, I mean, Bad Diesel magazine, we want to thank them for their sponsorship, of course, of the, uh, of of the show and of the station. However, I will say that, uh, you know, not that I'm trying to put myself over, which I do every week on the show, that when I, I made the I made the reach out to Bad Diesel Magazine, uh, you did appear on the cover the next month after I said yeah, I that. Yeah, uh, I will be. Go ahead. I, I will be the cover model next month, yes. Oh, oh, you're going to be the cover model again? Yeah, in January, yes. Yes, sir, I am. Okay, I did not know that because I know that you're on the November cover uh, that I helped uh, hook you up with. And as a matter of fact, uh, the off, um, author, the publisher of Bad Diesel Magazine will be on us uh, with us uh, next week uh, to talk about uh, the magazine and uh, all the good stuff there and how to get it and uh you know, uh, if you turn in uh, this month's uh, magazine, uh, if you turn on to page six, I believe, in the magazine, you'll see my face, and you'll see Big Swing's face, and uh, you'll see our logo, and 
you know, of course, uh, the sad thing about that picture that they use is both Big Swing and I have dropped around 200 pounds since those pictures have uh, were taken. You know, it's hard to, uh, as most of you know, it is hard to have someone make a new logo for you without a extended fee. So it is what it is, I guess. So our first guest will be calling in here in about seven minutes. Until then, uh, Granny, tell us what else uh, is uh, uh, on tap for your holiday. Are you going to have a lot of people over? You're going to be cooking up your turkeys and uh, no, making no, your, I'm not. Your I'm, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be cooking for three people. I think we're actually going to some friends' house for Christmas Day lunch. That um, I got an invite today, so. Uh, how about Chrissy? You're gonna be uh, having a big shindig at your place. No way. I've, I've, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna be cooking and everything too. But like, I'm not gonna like. I'm so. I'm gonna be at home making food and wrapping presents and everything and all that fun stuff. But I'm not having like a big party or nothing. No. Well, uh, I, I guess this is the first year that uh, basically the three of us are uh, either going uh, are going somewhere else than hosting. Uh, I guarantee, though, once I get my own place, my own house, not an apartment, everybody will expect uh, the icon to host Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. Um, I'll probably put on a few Halloween parties, maybe. I don't know some 4th of July celebrations, but uh, all everything will be rocking at the Icon's house once he gets one, and I'm working on that. It's just a slow process uh, trying to get all this stuff. I mean, we've been looking at houses, but we just can't seem to close the deal with loans and all this other stuff. But, you know, I guess living in an apartment isn't bad. I don't have to worry about shoveling snow or anything like that. I do have to worry about people parking in my parking spot, but other than that, everything else is fine. You know, uh, you know, you guys have your own house, so you don't have to worry about loud neighbors and, uh, Oh, we do. We we, we live in a, we live in a little townhouse by a bunch of people. Oh, oh, so you're in a townhouse, so you have, you have those people next door that always seem to throw wild parties and they don't invite you. I have the same no. problem. Yeah, I mean, they throw wild parties, but, like, we usually stay away from it, you know, because, like, I mean, like, I'm not much of a partier anymore like I used to be, but, like, when it's, like, when the music keeps going to, like, 4 o'clock in the morning and, like, it's rattling your house and, like, you know, it's kind of really annoying. And, like, they have, like, no common respect for other neighbors that are here either. You know what I'm saying? All right. It's always, like, uh, to, like four or five in the morning, but like, I mean, like excessively loud music, you know? All right. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, it looks like our first guest is waiting in the wings. We're going to take a quick little time out and we will be back with our guest here in about 60 seconds. As a non-commercial radio station, Ken's FM survives in large part by the generosity of listeners like you who value public radio and have become a member. Your donation continues to allow us to support local artists and musicians and play the music you want to hear, not what advertisers think we should play. It enables us to broadcast feature story news so you can hear the news, not opinions. Public radio doesn't have an agenda. We're not in the business of pushing our point of view. 
Our mission is simple. Reflect your interests, not the interests of some corporation. If you believe that having an independent, non-commercial, public radio station in your community is a good idea, become a member now. Find out how by visiting our website at www.kensfm.com. And remember, independence has a cost, and it's as little as $10 a month. <coughs> and, of course, we would like you to donate to Kansas FM, $10 a month, to help power the tower. And uh, we'll have a little assignment for you here in a while. But let's bring out our guest right now. He's stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. He is probably the coolest director in Hollywood today. <coughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the man himself. He is Jeff Schneider. Hey, this is Jeff Schneider. You're listening to the Attitude Era live on 89.1 KENS-FM with your host, the icon, the big swing, and Granny Holster. Hey, Jeff. How are you today? Good to have you with us. I'm doing really good. How are you doing? Good. Uh, here's what we're going to do here real quick. Uh, I have, of course, uh, Granny on my left, and I have Chrissy Kruger on my right as you're listening on your radio. Uh, what we're going to do is have you do a little, give us a little background about yourself, and then we'll ask some questions, and then uh, uh, a couple of the co-hosts here will uh, try and get a spot in your next movie. Sounds great. Go ahead. Give us a little background of you. A little background is just uh, I've been in film since about uh, 2005. Uh, I've worked on over a dozen feature films. Uh, I've worked with actors like Tom Sizemore and Michael Madsen, um, those are probably a couple of the bigger names that I've worked with. And I would just say that as an independent filmmaker, uh, it is always a challenge, but it is something that when you're involved in doing it, uh, you would, no matter how challenging it is, there's nothing else you'd rather be doing. Uh, and of all the experiences I've had, I've worked in a circus. Uh, I traveled for years and years, um, did live shows that filmmaking is, is by far one of the most fulfilling things that, that I've uh, had the honor of doing. And uh, uh, Jeff Schneider is our guest here, and uh, we're going to have, uh, well, we're going to have Jeff here for, I don't know, maybe about 30 minutes or so, give or take a little, a little of that. Now, uh, being in uh, Hollywood, uh, what, uh, uh, well, how did you get your start uh, in the Golden City, as they say? Well, a lot of what I've done has been independent work, and I'm based out of Oregon, uh, out of Jefferson, Oregon. So most of the films that I worked on to start were just, uh, one, I learned how to do the editing and, and working the cameras at local cable access stations and sort of building my knowledge base there. And then I had the op opportunity to work on some feature films uh, that were from a company out of British Columbia called Enderby Entertainment and also a local film company. Um, and that led me down to eventually working with a, an actor named Patrick Kilpatrick in Los Angeles who owns uh, Uncommon Dialogue Films. And for the last probably half dozen years, I've worked with him developing scripts, working on projects. Uh, and that was probably, apart from a few other people that I know in Los Angeles who are in the industry, uh, that was probably when I really started to work more with people in Los Angeles as opposed to just people 
in the film industry, but people from outside of Los Angeles. And uh, you also have, uh, we had a guest on with us a couple weeks ago. You've done a, uh, a lot of films with her, correct? Yeah, with Donna Hamblin, yes. She's a great gal and a great actress, and I recommend anyone who's looking for an actress for their film, you know, hire that girl. Uh, she's a great to work with, a great team player, and really a talent. And uh, what what we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, a few of your films. Uh, I know that you have a lot of films. Uh, I, I guess the term is in the can or in post production or completed. We're going to talk a little bit uh, those a little bit in a while. Uh, Jeff Snyder's our guest here. We got about twenty nine minutes. But what I'm going to do here first is bring on our first co-host. Uh, it's Granny Holster. What do you have for our guest there, Granny? Go ahead. Well, welcome to the show tonight. We're glad you're on with us. So what is one of your most favorite types of movies that you've uh, helped out with or directed or produced? Or I'd say probably um, one of the movie the movie that I'm actually really into the most is a movie I'm director of photography on right now that we're in production making called Crystal. Um, that movie is something that it should be coming out uh, this coming year uh, on Lionsgate is the distribution company. It's something that we're really excited about. And the reason for that is it's a film that I've worked on where uh, we've really gone to great lengths to uh, in the production value and how we shot the film and the effect uh, where it's really a step uh, I think a step above what we've done in the past. Um, and so th- that, even though it's also more recent and still recent because we're in the process of finishing shooting it, uh, it is one that I'm really, really excited about. And I think the the, fi- the finished product is really going to be something uh, to be proud of and something that I'm really excited about. That's awesome. Uh, Jeff Snyder's our guest here. We've got about uh, 28 minutes. Now, um, I want to bring on our uh our second co-host, uh, it's uh, Chrissy Kruger. I'm, I think that, uh, Jeff, you've uh, chatted with her maybe a little bit. But, uh, you know, if anybody deserves a shot uh, in one of your great uh, upcoming projects, uh, besides me, it would be Chrissy. But uh, go ahead, Chrissy. What do you got for our guest, Jeff Schneider? Go ahead. I mean, well, it's really nice to, to hear you and, like, welcome to the show. And, like, I'm excited, like, to hear and see some of your movies myself, like, I'm really excited, but I guess the biggest question I would have to ask you is, as a director and producer of what you do, like, what's the most difficult thing out of everything you do? Is it working with the camera? Is it, like, coming up with the scripts? Like, what would you think is the most difficult in the era of stuff you do? You know, probably the most difficult thing, especially in the independent film realm, is just uh, the fact that... On certain projects I've worked on, I only had to do a, a few roles. Uh, in this one, I'm only the director of photography. I got hired on a film before that called The 211 Home, where I was hired solely as director of photography. But on an independent film where you're doing the generally the executive producing and the producing, it's the fact that there's so many moving parts, uh, and because you're almost always on a limited budget, you have to take control of things that on a bigger production you wouldn't necessarily have to do. So you're not only worried about the camera, uh, the camera setup, and the actors. You're also worried about, you know, 
accommodation and food and all these things on a larger production where you wouldn't have to worry about them so much. So I think probably the biggest challenge on a smaller independent film is the fact that you always have to have your head on a swivel and you always have to be aware of uh, everything that's around you. And part of the solution to that is surrounding yourself with good people. The more good quality people you can surround yourself with in the beginning when you're starting out as a filmmaker, then as you move down the tracks, the easier it is because you're not having to shoulder so much of a production uh, as opposed to on a larger <coughs> production where you just be doing the directing or just be doing the producing or just being the director <laughs> of photography. Right. Well, that's understandable. I can imagine that would be very stressful at, at points and stuff. <clears throat> when I first came down out here to Hollywood, California, you know, um, I did a movie and all that fun stuff, and it was quite hard. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of, like, like you said, providing the the food and, you know, um, where are the people going to stay and, like, all that stuff is, is very stressful. And, I mean, I loved being on set and everything. It's just... It was so chaotic, you know what I mean? <laughs> well worth it, though. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is when you have people that you take as good care uh, of them as you can, especially on a smaller production, but on any production, really, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, when you're serving them food, you know, the best quality food that you can get, the best accommodations that you can get. Let them know what they're mm-hmm. headed into and what to expect. I mean, when we did Evil Under the Skin, which was a movie I did with Donna, you know, we rented out a beach house uh, for the entire week, and we all stayed there. And so it was, you know, probably one of the better situations. We had home-cooked meals every day. We were by a lake, so when you weren't shooting, you could literally hang out by the lake. Um, and it was very comfortable and, and very easygoing. And actors and, and production crew, they remember those things. And they'll talk about those things with other actors and other people. And you want that type of a reputation, you know. You don't want the reputation where, oh, you know, we were out there, you know, they didn't know where we were going to stay, and, you know, we ate, you know, cold sandwiches all the time, and, and uh, you know, the food wasn't good, and, you know, the director was yelling at us the whole time. I mean, you always want to have as positive an experience as you can, regardless of how much money you're spending, because that's what they'll talk about, and that's what they'll remember. Of course, of course, exactly, exactly. Uh, well, we uh, we're gonna we're gonna continue here. I'm sorry, I, I lost my train of thought there for a second. We got Jeffrey Snyder as our guest here. We got uh, 22 minutes now. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, evil under your skin, and uh, I'm gonna ask you uh, I'm gonna ask you about that, and I'm gonna ask you a few director opinions. But for those of the, that you have not uh, seen Evil Under the Skin, I'm gonna try and do my best uh, trailer read. Uh, on the film, and we'll give this a shot here. A mother and daughter head off to a secluded weekend to reconnect. Little do they know, the sorcered post of the home they're staying in is strangeless in attraction as they descent into madness. That's 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 what uh, how they describe the movie. Uh, how would you describe the movie? Besides, uh, probably a little better than that, I would guess. Um, you know, in a lot of ways. Luke Bernier, who sort of is, is the guy who, uh, who wrote Evil Under the Skin, and he's the one who has a really long re- working relationship with Donna Hamblin and Lan Udy, who was in uh, My Bloody Valentine, and lots of other actors and actresses. And he has a very unique sort of 
uh, storytelling um, way of doing stories. And they're always sort of central to the characters, but they're never like an average film that you would normally see. They're always, they're always sort of unique in their own way. And I would say that probably Evil Under the Skin, it, it's just if you could look inside the mind of someone who's, who's crazy and how their mind works, then that's probably the easiest way of explaining it. You just slowly start where everything is normal and great and good with this mother and this daughter. And then as the story progresses, you, you see the, the, the mother slowly sort of devolve into this insanity. And then it gets to a breaking point at the very end. But I, I would say that it's more of a less of a horror movie and more of a of a suspense sort of insanity film, kind of like a uh, um, just sort of a descent into madness. Would probably be the easiest way of describing it. Now, when you uh, when you uh, are are ready to uh, do a film. Uh, and you start writing it, and it's a film that you want. Uh, do, you, do you like uh, start coming up with ideas? Uh, you, like write out like a hundred ideas, and uh, one day, and then go back and say, "Oh, this ain't gonna work. This ain't gonna work. This could work." Uh, when you're laying out a project that you want to do, kind of take us through a little bit what your thought process is when you go through setting up a movie that you want to do. Yeah, I mean, the thought process that I do is I sort of create, to start, I create a treatment, and I create an outline, and I, you know, beginning, middle, and an end. So I start there, because you always want to know where you're going when you're writing a story. Sometimes a big mistake you can make is you, if you just start writing, but you don't really know where you're going, then you sort of meander around, and everything is disjointed and not really well connected. But if you do an outline where you do the beginning, the middle, and the end, and then you start filling in how you get from point A to point B and from point B to point C, and you start putting in sub-stories. Uh, and then you just sort of, depending on if you're writing it yourself or if you're writing it with a team of people, then you sit around and you sort of troubleshoot ideas and how those ideas are going to fit into the story. Like you said, what will work and what won't work. And it is very time-consuming, um, but also fulfilling. I mean, when we shot uh, Red vs. Wolf, uh, Alien Wars, Judgment Day, and Loose Luck, which was the most recent movie I did with Donna, um, I sort of went through a process in writing um, Alien Wars because we literally had a cast for the, the, the last section of the, of the three movies that we were shooting. And we actually had enough time to go ahead and shoot an additional film. But I don't recommend doing it that way. Um, I always recommend, you know, if you can take the time to write the story uh, and get basically not against the schedule but on your own time, then that generally works out best. But I would, I would say this one thing is that when you're writing a story, uh, the more actors and the more people you know, the easier it is to sort of find characters that are going to fit into your story that are going to work the best, especially when you're at an independent level. Because you all, a lot of the time you don't have necessarily the budget to go out and buy larger name actors, but you can write the story to fit these actors that you know and, and their acting abilities, and you can get a really good outcome that way. Uh, Jeff Schneider is our guest here. We have about 18 minutes. 
Now, uh, I'm sure, Jeff, that you're familiar with uh, IMDB.com, which is an international movie database. I'm going to ask yeah. you a few uh, opinion questions on that. Uh, if someone were to go to IMDB and type in Jeffrey Snyder, here's, you know, it gives you, you know, it kind of gives a rundown of what you've done. And uh, I'm going to kind of, I'm kind of curious about this because right now, as I'm looking at this, it says you have, let's see, let me count them. It says you have eight movies in pre-production. You have three movies yep. in post-production and one that's completed called Loose Luck that you were just talking about. Now, is that accurate, or is that, uh, or are you wondering where they got that information? No, that sounds pretty accurate. I mean, uh, the the one I was telling you about, the two eleven home, that one's in distribution. That one's out. Uh, that was one I was just director of photography on. Crystal, which is the one we're shooting, should be done here in probably another month. Uh, Loose luck, and I think Red versus Wolf is listed as completed on there as well. <clears throat> and um, Alien Wars, Judgment Day, I know, is in post-production. The pre-production, there's always, I mean, as a filmmaker, you always want to have a variety of films in pre-production. You want to have a variety because you never know when you're going to run across someone who wants to fund a film, and the last thing you want to do is say, well, I have an idea. And then you tell them your idea, and they're like, we're not interested, but we are interested in this. But you don't have that. So now we're, we're, we're moving on. We're going to somewhere else. So that's why when you look at the pre-production list, and I'm sure like uh, the King, the Swordsman, the Sorceress is on there. Um, yep. Uh, uh, Rainfalls uh, is probably on there. Rainfalls. Uh, uh, Mar- uh, Marissa Can uh, from The Mind Comes to Darkness. Uh, is it Baba Yeager? Yeah, Baba Yeager. So it's always best. And, and the, more, the longer you're in the business, the more you're in the industry, then the more you're going to have a variety of these scripts that sort of you either become attached to and piled up on. Uh, but you want to have a variety, and it's very important because if you can have just – and I'm not saying that if you have one idea or one script that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying if you have options for production companies or for other people, the more options you have, the more opportunities you have to get a yes as opposed to just having a single option or a single opportunity. And if they don't like that or don't want to go for that, then that's all you'll have. So since it's listed in pre-production, does that mean that uh, you, you, have like a, you have a script ready to go and you've shot some scenes, or are you looking for actors and actresses? Are you looking for locations to film? When it says pre-production, where, where parts in the film uh, are you at with it? Have you shot anything yet, or are you still looking, you know, like I said, actors, actors? Take us through that. Yeah. Yeah, on pre-production, you you would be looking still for locations and actors, uh, actresses, things of that nature. Uh, depending on the film, like we, we shot, uh, like I said, Alien Wars, Loose Luck, and Red vs. Wolf, and we shot all three of those out. And sometimes that happened right before COVID hit. So we were fortunate that we got all that shot out uh, and in the can before everything sort of went away production-wise and got weird. Uh, The 211 home we shot during COVID and we shot Crystal uh, during COVID as well, which we're shooting right now. But I would say that in pre-production, you're always looking for talent. You're always looking for um, locations. Um, 
you're looking for places that will work within the confines uh, of the film. And you can write two, two different ways, more than two, but two basic ways. You can write a script to fit within a budget that you can shoot as an independent filmmaker, and you can, use, you can write with that constraint in mind. Or you can write a project without any restriction, basically swinging for the fences. Uh, and that way you can write, you can write, a, that may have, be a five, ten, twenty million dollar project. I mean, some of the projects I'm working on for Uncommon Dialogue Films are, you know, they're twenty, forty, sixty million dollar projects compared to the ones that I shoot that are, you know, much, much less than that. Uh, but I would say in pre-production, you're still looking for locations, you're still looking for talent, and you're still looking for, um, you know, even crew or individuals to work with. It just depends on if you're making a film that can be done at what level you're making that film to be done on. And what I mean by that is, are you looking at a film that's going to require a major production company and waiting, you know, three, four, five years to possibly get it to the point where it can be produced? Are you looking at doing a film that you could produce next month? And those two determining factors can really sort of vary what pre-production means, and how far along you are in pre-production uh, with a project. So let, let me ask you this. Say that, uh, well, like me, for instance, as uh, our fans know on the show, I'm going to try and uh, put myself over and uh, uh, put Chrissy over as well. But if uh, there was a, a, a part in the film that you were looking to cast, and, uh, you know, I'd like to... I'd like to come out and have a bit part, even if I'm a guy that gets shot right away. Uh, I, I know that everybody that's listening to the radio would, uh, you know, would flock to the movie theater just to see that. But, uh, you know, uh, how, how would uh, how would someone like me go about that, uh, wanting to be in your movie? Just letting me know, honestly. I mean, now that I know, then it's not hard for us when we're producing a film, when we're, you know, a film that we're not in the middle of shooting out where the cast is already set like crystal right now that film is you know it's been cast it's you know 75 percent shot out. you know we obviously aren't going to be casting for that but once i know that you're interested in doing projects then it's nothing for me to drop a line i mean with luke and the projects that we do we're always open for even writing small parts in for people who are interested in being in the project um even creating a role for someone who wants to be in the project. So now that I know, then that's something that I can actively, uh, I can actively look at doing. And I'm serious when I say that too. The other thing is just always keeping an eye out for uh, for projects, uh, Facebook pages. Um, <clears throat> whenever we put something out that says, "Hey, we're looking for talent. Hey, we're getting ready to shoot this new film." Uh, just keeping an eye out. I mean, I was amazed here in Oregon how much production actually goes on for, for even feature films. Um, but I only found that out by running into someone who told me, hey, you know, you need to talk to this director, and then finding out that all this stuff is going on. Otherwise, if I'd never run into those individuals, uh, I probably wouldn't have had a, as good an idea that production is pretty healthy in Oregon. And quite a, quite a bit of stuff actually happens up here, uh, and there's quite a bit of stuff uh, to be shot out in. Well, you know, I'll say this: any any movie that you have 
uh, I'm definitely interested in. And, uh, uh, you know, Chrissy's already out there in Hollywood, so you wouldn't have to pay for much her travel. The only thing I ask is, uh, you know, you give me a nice uh, sturdy couch to sleep on, uh, maybe some uh, Cheerios and some Captain Crunch for breakfast. (laughs) and uh, I'll even come and carry your bags and get your cappuccino when we're on the set. <laughs> well, you know, I, and I appreciate you saying all that, uh, but, I mean, just being like Donna, and I can say this about Donna and about Elen and about, you know, any of the other people we've worked with through Luke is it's just being there and being enthusiastic. I've worked with, you know, seasoned actors, and I've worked with, with actors that are enthusiastic, uh willing, you know, pay attention and listen and take direction. And sometimes those individuals are by far more fun and better to work with than people who, uh, who are seasoned who don't want to do any of those things. And I got to be honest, you know, like Tom Sizemore, Michael Madsen, they were both, Michael Madsen was in the New Mexico unit when I was working in the Oregon unit, and I heard nothing but great things about him. Tom Sizemore, when I worked with him on the speak, nicest guy in the world. I mean, sat with the crew, sat with us, talked with us, nicest guy in the world. And those stories are great to hear. You also have those stories where you, you've heard of people running into <clears throat> famous people and they're not so great to work with. But I've been really blessed that a majority of the people that I've worked with and had the opportunity to work with have been positive, upbeat uh, individuals who were doing their best for the project regardless of what the project cost um and and i'm always up to work with people like that <laughs> now now if so you know if, you know if someone to come out uh you know to be part of your movie and like i say i i definitely would love to do that i'll do anything to be part of that uh now do uh does a person uh now I understand you don't want to answer this question, but like as, as terms of like uh, compensation, do you pay them per day? Do you pay them per shooting segment? Uh, do they get a nice big check after the movie's released? Uh, how does how does something like that work? It's totally dependent on the budget of the project. Like right now, uh, Crystal, all the actors are being paid, uh, and that's between the producers and and uh, and the talent. Uh, I would say that. The productions that I generally work on, not the ones with Uncommon Dialogue films, because that's on a whole other level, but the projects that I work on up here in Oregon, they're generally lower-budget projects. And if anything, I mean, there's there have been times where, like, most, uh, most, if not all, the individuals that came in, even the ones who flew in, didn't fly in, rather, didn't get anything up front. And there's other projects where they got something or they got a little bit per day. It really varies, and it's entirely dependent on what the budget is of the project. That's where it really comes down to on a smaller independent film of making sure that you, you know, give your people the best accommodations that you can provide, the best food you can provide, and make them as comfortable as possible. And, uh, you know, I'll even say this. We have uh, Jeff Schneider as our guest here. we got about six minutes. You know, I'll tell you what. I would come out, as long as i got a place that I can uh, crash and sleep, and uh, as long as I have a little food every once in a while, I'll come out and work for free, and then when you realize uh, what a cut-up I would be on stage keeping everybody in stitches and entertaining everybody in between takes, you're like, well, hey, man, let's uh, – one or two things will happen. Of course, you know, the, you know this is coming. Uh, you're like, well, hey, i got to get my next movie, or uh, 
Well, let's see. I think I'm going to take his number and I'm going to delete it off my cell phone and put it under block and do not call this, do not answer this number anytime <laughs> he calls. I feel pretty confident that would not be the case. And, and I got to tell you, the only way to get out there, and I'll tell this to any independent filmmaker, anyone who wants to be in film, you know, is to get out there and do it. And there's lots of folks in this world who will talk about, and there's nothing wrong with this, by the way, who will talk about making a film, but they want everything to be just right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of times you could wait your entire life and the conditions will never be right to make a film. Whether it's you wanting to be in a film or you wanting to make your own film, the project <clears throat> we're working on right now, uh, Crystal, the producer had waited almost 10 years. And it, what, it, what it came down to was is he finally just made the decision. He finally said, you know, I want to make this film. I'm going to knuckle under financially. I'm going to knuckle under, and I'm going to make it happen. And I worked with him on a film maybe six months ago, and he hired me on as director of photography. And uh, we have a studio here on my property. We went ahead and built the location on. Uh, and, and we went ahead and made the conscious decision to move forward with it. But – you know, you doing what you're doing right now and putting forth that effort is a lion's share of what it takes to get into film, to, to let people know you're interested, to get out there and say and put yourself out there, um, to get out there and even audition, to get out there and find what locations are being shot at in the area around you and if they need any, any help or any, any, uh, any actors or actresses. A lot of it is just about personal effort and putting yourself out there and it helps, too, when you're, you've got a big personality, which you have, and, I, and I'm saying that in a positive way. It helps when you've got uh, that energy of wanting to be part and being upbeat and being, uh, and being optimistic. All that is a huge plus to me. It always has been, and, and I applaud anyone that puts themselves out there because it's not an easy industry. It's probably one of the hardest industries, even people that are successful, they can work and do great, and then they can just fall off the map and, you know, and not work. And, and that's just part of the deal. But, yeah, I, I, for you, man, just keep doing what you're doing and keep reaching out and keep putting forth the effort. And I don't see how you could not be in films, you know, doing that. And, uh, you know, you can ask anybody that, uh, that I've ever worked for, uh, and a lot of people echo this, <clears throat> I'm a loyalist. Uh, I always do what I'm asked. I even go above and beyond what I'm supposed to do. Uh, even if you have a scene where you have to throw me off a building, I'm right there. <laughs> uh, Jeff Schneider's our guest here. We've got about uh, three minutes. Uh, uh, Chris, do you have any uh, other questions before we uh, sign off with Jeff here? I mean, are you opposed to having a vampire in your films? i say that one more time. I said... Well, maybe I said the word wrong. Would you like, vamp uh, like, if, if you ever do anything vampiric like that, would you like a vampire in your film? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, uh, if we were going to do a uh, vampire film, like one of our movies, Mars Lichen, is actually about uh, werewolves on Mars. Well, it's a little bit different. <coughs> uh, we would all, I would always be up for, uh, for uh, if we do a vampire movie or if we needed a vampire uh, in a movie, uh, having one, absolutely. 
Well, I'm just curious because, like, I'm, I'm a vampire model, so, like, I was just curious on what you would say to that. That's awesome, though. Well, like the king, the swordsman, and the sorceress. Like, there's lots of lateral movement in that movie uh, for, uh, <clears throat> for, that type of, for that type of thing. And, and I think, too, that uh, I don't know if you've – there's a movie called uh, FDR American Badass. And the guy who did this movie, if you get a chance, watch it. It's got Barry Boswick in it. And the guy takes, like, he takes FDR and, and World War II and turns it into this werewolf sort of bonanza of, of strangeness. And so I think, I think there's a whole market out there for, for movies that involve vampires that you wouldn't normally have vampires in. Um, did you ever see the movies Night Watch and Day Watch by Timber? Uh, they're Russian movies about vampires. Did you ever see those? Um, no, I have not, actually. If you get a chance, watch them. They're brilliantly done, and they're Russian. Uh, they're called Day Watch and Night Watch, I believe. They're probably 15, 20 years old. But to me, that's a prime example of having a movie that vampires are present in, but it's almost, I don't want to say it's not part of the story. It is part of, it's a huge part of the story, but at the same time, it's not what you traditionally expect a vampire movie to be. Okay. All right. Uh, Jeff uh, Jeff's our guest here. we got about uh, 30 seconds. I'll tell you what, Jeff, I do, uh, uh, do thank you for well, taking you know, time Icon, out of your schedule. Granny would probably like being in a movie too, you know. <laughs> Well, we can I'll, always I'll we can always for any of your crew. I'll tell you that icon. Any of you guys that want to be in our projects, I mean, there's always you can always write in uh, a part. We can always find a part for for folks. And the short answer to your question, by the way, I know I can get long winded. Was yes in regards to having a vampire in my project. I don't know if I actually said that, but I meant to say that. But absolutely for Granny as well. You know. There's no reason we can't find parts for you guys. If you're willing to support our projects, we love it. And uh, I will say this. Uh, if uh, you do put me in a movie, which I hope you will, I, I think I know you will, uh, I myself, I'll pay to rent out our local theater here, and uh, we can uh, get you down here, and uh, we'll make it a media event, and uh, uh, my hometown can adopt you as a native son. That sounds awesome. I love it. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Jeff, we, we want to thank you for joining us. You've been awesome, and we would love to have you on again. And I promise, uh, as long as you put me in a movie, I'll stop calling you at 2 in the morning asking you to be in one. Thanks for being on our show. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you guys for having me. I had a great time, and thanks for making me feel at home. Thanks, Jeff. We appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. All right, that was uh, that was our buddy uh, Jeff Schneider. I'll tell you what, uh, our next guest is waiting in the wings. Uh, we will be back in about thirty seconds, and uh, we'll uh, proceed with the show. But we'll be we'll take a quick timeout, and then we'll be back. So, what are you going to do for New Year's this year? Bring in twenty twenty two with Guy Lombardo. <laughs> 
How about celebrative style at the Meridian Event Center with Ken's FM? Join us at 7 p.m. for pulled pork sandwiches, chips, along with pickles and salads, and then at 8 p.m. the music starts with DJs Fatal Claw and Echelon playing all the great music you hear on 89.1 Ken's FM. There will be full bar service for those over 21, and it's only $20 to get in. Celebrate New Year's the right way at the Meridian Event Center. They're at 1511 Street North of Moorhead. All proceeds benefit 89.1 Ken's FM. And we are back here on 89.1 Ken's FM, and uh, we got a little assignment for you. Uh, if you uh, go to our Facebook page, off the road, <coughs> you like that. You go to Ken's FM page, you like that, and you do a $10 a month donation. Uh, we'll get you automatically qualified to win an autograph from a past guest, a future guest, or even a current guest. And speaking of current guests, uh, we have another director with us, and I know our fans are thinking, man, what is he trying to do, get in films? Of course I am. But, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have the man, the myth, the legend, responsible for movies like A Star is Born and Bumblebee. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the smiliest director and producer in Hollywood today. He is Joseph Kelly. Hey there, this is Joseph, are you there? And you're listening to the Attitude Era, live on 89.1 Ken's FM, with your host, the Icon, the Big Swing, and Granny Holster. All right. Hey, Joseph, how are you today, buddy Oh, Hey, good. A little under the weather, but uh, holding in. How about yourself? Well, good. And uh, uh, we'll, uh, we, uh, you know, uh, you're a little under the weather, so we understand the, the, the sound quality is not the best because uh, when people are not feeling well, uh, you know, their voices aren't uh, up to snuff, but we'll, uh, we'll proceed and go through it. Uh, so here's what we'll do. Uh, uh, can I call you? Uh, do you want me to call you Mr. Kelly? Can I call you Joe? Joseph, how would you like me to address you? Yeah, you could call me Joe or Joseph. That's totally fine. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, Joe, if you want to give us a little background about yourself, then we'll uh, have some fun with the interview. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm a producer and all that. Um, I know you said A Star is Born and Bumblebee. I was just behind the scenes with that one. I'll explain about that later. But I do uh, direct films. Our latest one, Clemma Tell Two, will be out recently, mostly horror films and stuff. And uh, I've been producing, directing films for the last 12 years or so, um, you know, from minor films from twenty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 to working on big-budget films like, you know, Bumblebee, of course, being the stand-in for John Cena. And, uh, yeah. And uh, for those uh, fans you know, uh, since this is a wrestling show, there's your wrestling connection. He was the stand-in for John Cena. We're going to talk about that as well. Uh, Joseph Kelly is our guest here. We've got about uh, 25 minutes. Uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and we'll kind of do a roundtable, and uh, we will have to take a time out to uh, uh, do some uh, radio legal stuff. But uh, uh, when that happens, I'll have to, uh, you know, cut you off, and then we'll go back to it. But, you know, you, uh, you, know, you mentioned that uh, being a stand-in for John Cena – now you were just you were just a stand-in, so you obviously had to uh, meet him and work with him. What is he like in person? Yeah, he's very nice, humble, as you can imagine. Um, and you know, it's funny because I actually worked with his brother in my second feature film uh, back in 2012, Bloody Island, and I actually didn't know they were related at the time too, uh, Stephen Cena. But uh, yeah, working with John was great, and uh, you know, everything behind the cameras and stuff. He did all the action scenes, and it was great. 
And, uh, you know, uh, so he's not one of those guys that, you know, because he uh, because he's a big WWE wrestler and he's he's famous, he's not one of those guys that comes on the set and does his you-can't-see-me, and he just acts <laughs> like a regular guy then, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, for the most part, yeah. And, uh, yeah, pr- very professional and all that. And he pretty much leaves his wrestling, you know, in the ring, except, you know, if he's trying to fight off those Transformers. <laughs> Uh, Joe Kelly is our guest here, and we got uh, 24 minutes. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a few questions, then we'll do a roundtable, and uh, we'll come back to me. I'm going to ask you about uh, some of the stuff that you have in post-production and pre-production. We already found out what uh, what each one of those means, but uh, we'll we'll come back to that. So, being a uh, being a director and a producer and a fill-in and a stand-in, uh, what is Obviously, directing is a little more difficult, but being a stand-in for somebody, what exactly do you do? Do you feed lines when they're not on the set, or uh, are you the one that um, that's uh, filling yeah. in just before, uh, while, well, like, Bumblebee throws him in the river or whatever? Kind of take us through that. Yeah, no, of course, and I, I didn't do the stunts for him. He had a separate guy for that, but stand-in was pretty much when they're trying to get the shots ready and stuff. And the scene would take place, and um, you know, and sometimes the director just wants you to do the action moving and stuff for you know camera points of view, and sometimes they want you to rehearse the lines too, just so they could you know see how scene is going to do it and all that, and see how all the action and motion comes into place. So, has there ever been a situation like uh, you know you're watching the movie and uh, you know you're his stand-in? Has there ever been was there ever a situation like wait a minute that's not John Cena that's me? <laughs> oh, no, 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 because, you know, it'll be like pretty much all, you know, before the cameras actually roll and stuff. So while they're just setting up and stuff. Um, so nothing like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Did, well, did you get to make a cameo in the movie, though? No, that one I did not. I did do um, my biggest cameo was probably a Star is Born. And that was, you know, for a couple day role and just with uh, Lady Gaga. So, uh so when you found out you were going to be a stand-in with Lady Gaga, did you say, hey, can I be her love interest that she dumps and goes on with the other guy? Yeah, no, pretty much. And in that one, um, I was actually on camera, not a stand-in, but with Lady Gaga, actually a, a band roadie bringing the equipment, you know, to the stage, and then she pretty much almost hits us, apologizes, and she goes off to sing her, you know, number one hit song. Right. That's that's awesome. Uh, we have uh, Joe Kelly's our guest here. We got twenty uh, twenty one minutes here. Uh, we're going to do a quick little roundtable here. Then uh, we'll come back to me. I'll ask you the tougher questions. But uh, we have uh, Granny on my left, and we have Chrissy uh, uh, on my right here. Uh, we'll start with uh, Granny, and uh, you can ask. Uh, go ahead, Granny. What do you got for our guest, Joseph Kelly? Go ahead. Well. Hi, Joe. We're glad to have you on the show, and and I love that movie Bumblebee because I'm I mean I'm a wrestling fan, so I've always liked John Cena, you know. But I love that movie Bumblebee. I thought it was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it, and I've watched it. I watch it every time I see it on TV or whatever. I'll watch it, even though I know what's going to happen. I'll still watch it because I really just always enjoyed the movie. But what was your what was, what has been your favorite thing of you you know working behind the scenes like you know in Bumblebee and you know being a part of a Star Is Born? What was your favorite things about doing getting to do stuff like that? Yeah, um, 
It was in Bumblebee, yeah, because I know I enjoyed that movie as well. And that was actually um, Travis Knight who directed it. So mm-hmm. it wasn't Michael Bay. He had just produced it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But being on that set was um, great. And just in the trailers, talking with the main actors, um, you know, the little children, uh, the kids and stuff, the teens. And, um, I mm-hmm. mean, just seeing everything and how it comes into place and stuff. And, you know, how you got the green screen world and you got the practical world and just putting mm-hmm. it all together. That's awesome. Uh, just because our guest here, we have, uh, well, we're we're moving on here. we got about uh, 20 minutes. So I, I might extend it just a little bit uh, into our next uh, uh, into our next guest, but uh, as long as you can hang with us, Joe, uh, Joe we'll go with it. But uh, I want to bring in a, uh, an, she's an actress in her own right, and uh, she's also a, a great vampire, too, so if you've got any good horror movies coming up, uh, she'd be a perfect fit in. Uh, but go ahead, Chrissy, what do you got for our guest, Joseph Kelly? Well, hello. I'm so glad you're on the show and everything. And it's actually really kind of cool that you got to be, um, you know, behind the scenes in Bumblebee and A Star Is Born and all that stuff. Like, and be a part of it. Like, I I love both those movies. But I guess okay. one of the biggest questions I'd have to ask you is like, if you were to choose anybody you'd want to work with, like celebrity-wise, like that you're a fan of, even maybe, who would it be? Yeah, because I, I don't get starstruck too much, which is great. Um, but, you know, I always um, like the style, the craziness of uh, Tom Cruise. Uh, nice. So I, I think I'd have to go with him. Me, I'd probably have to choose Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just saw him in a commercial, so it looks like he's getting back to work, so that's good. Dude, I know. That one commercial he just got, came out with. Oh. But that's really cool, though, That what, what you do, you know? Like, that's really cool. I just wanted to say yeah. that you know thank you and i know he um, said you're into vampires and stuff and we actually just well, um, finished post-production on a vampire film appetite for sin i'm a vampire model i from alaska oh. actually i came down here and got my teeth professionally put in by the dentist and oh, nice. uh just kind of moved from there so it kind of oh, happened works. i love it i love it official vampire yeah Joseph Kelly is our guest here. We've got about 18 minutes, and like I say, I may extend it just a little bit into the, uh, the next interview. But, you know, uh, you have, a, you have a, a couple movies that you've done that I, I've seen. Of course, uh, all of us have seen A Star is Born, and, uh, of course, Bumblebee was on uh, USA Network, I believe it was, this weekend, so I watched that. But... Uh, the one uh, movie that I saw that you were a producer on um, was Clown Motel. Now that's obviously a horror film, but how did you how did you get involved in that one? Yeah, no, Clown Motel. We did this short film in 2015 and uh, driving across country a couple times, um, coming between Las Vegas and uh, California, Los Angeles. There's a place called the Clown Motel, Tonopah, Nevada. Population 3,000 people, and it was just a cool place, location. Ended up writing the script there for the short. We did that, and uh, we got picked up and pretty much produced the first one, and that came out in 2019. I'm terrified you know, of uh, <laughs> Oh, there's a lot of clowns in this. <laughs> nope. Well, Chris, maybe that one, uh, that might not be your cup of tea. <laughs> Unless they want to see me crying, no, I don't like clowns. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, you terrified. know, 2019, and... We actually just sent off the EPK package um, this week for distribution and stuff. So we have, you know, a good 20 names lined up. So we're going to see what comes back. But some potential people for distribution is like Lionsgate, 
and Mayor Max and stuff, and we'll just see, yeah, what we get for the second one. That's, well, that's maybe really then, cool, uh, then maybe, Joe, what I can recommend is uh, maybe you can have her in uh, more of the Vampire Princess or even uh, Metal Heavy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, um, yeah, we're talking about, I was with uh, the director for Appetite for Sin yesterday, and we're actually talking about the sequel down the line, too, uh, once we finish the first one and get that out. And that should be out in the spring as well. And, uh, you know, we just had a we just had another director on uh, uh, just before you. And, uh, you know, uh, this may be redundant questions, but I'm going to ask you the same thing uh, and see how what your take is on it. Say that, uh, well, like myself, for instance, of course, I'm trying to put myself over like I always do. Uh, if, uh, I want Thanks for listening to 89.1 Ken's FM. We are listener-supported radio, so the programming you hear on our station is funded by our members and these local and area businesses. Deke's Pizza, 701-235-0708, open 11 a.m. to 3 a.m. every day. Great-tasting pizza made from scratch daily, perfect for lunch or those late-night munchies. Two convenient locations in Fargo and West Fargo, all at the same number, 701-235-0708. Again, Deke's Pizza at 701-235-0708, open 11 a.m. to 3 a.m. every day. Deke's Pizza, Fargo and West Fargo. Ordering is easy online at deekspizza.com or with the Deke's Pizza smartphone. Now. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNMZ, Holly Fargo Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. And we are back after uh, having to do a little legal ID there. And I do apologize, uh, Joseph. I, I don't know if you heard my question, but. Uh, the question that I had was if I wanted to come out and be part of your movie, like I was talking to the previous director, I'm willing to come out and get your cappuccino, carry your bags, uh, you know, shine your shoes, uh, be your bodyguard. I'm willing to do whatever I have to do to get in one of your movies. So what would I have to do? Oh, you're going to have to shine some clown shoes then. No. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No, we're, we have a whole cast. In, um, and a bloodyislandcastin at gmail.com uh, would be the great place to, you know, submit and stuff. And, of course, we know each other on Facebook now and stuff, so that's a great connection. Um, but, yeah, once we start casting, and I think you guys are the first people I'm telling this to, uh, Clown Motel 3 will be in production in the fall of 2022. Well, you know, I would love to be, uh, I would love to be part of it. Now, I, I, I don't want you to give anything away, but if there's any scenes where uh, a guy gets, like, uh, you know, killed or murdered or whatever, uh, and if you cast me as one of the guys that uh, gets taken out, I guarantee it'll be a hit here in uh, Fargo and with all our listeners as well. I, I would take that role. Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely keep that in mind and stuff. Uh, send through our cast in, and uh, no, appreciate that. And we love our different territories. We've never been over there yet for a premiere. We were just in Iowa on uh, Texas. But, yeah, not in Fargo yet. And like I say, the, the thing is, you wouldn't have to pay me either. All you got to do is give me a place to stay, and maybe, like I was telling the other director, a bowl of Captain Crunch in the morning, I'm good to go. Oh, I like my fruity pebbles like Cena, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you what. I, we'll, we'll take, uh, I'm going we'll to uh, tell a little, uh, quick little wrestling story about that. Uh, the whole fruity pebbles thing, uh, Everybody knows who The Rock is, and uh, The Rock was doing an interview about he was cutting on John Cena. He said, you know, you come out here, you're wearing your purple shirt, your green shirt, you look like a bowl of Fruity Pebbles, and then the next thing you know, John Cena's on the box of Fruity Pebbles. And uh, oh, yeah. 
there was a there was a there was a few wrestlers who say, "Hey, uh, Rock, can you refer to me as Captain Crunch, or can you call me Cocoa Puffs, or something?" You know. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's amazing that he has that kind of power. Uh, oh yeah. Definitely, and I wonder if that was, like, um, pre-planned, too. Like, he had a contract with Three Pebbles, and they're like, hey, let's start this up, and then right away put you on the cereal, you know? Well, you know, I'll tell you what, or, it'd be cool if it was, but imagine if it wasn't. Yeah, that would be even cooler, of course. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe Kelly's our guest here. we got about uh, 12 minutes, and we might extend a little bit. Now, uh, you know, we're looking at, uh, of course, for most of our resources for our actors and actresses and directors, we get uh, – a lot of our resources from imdb.com. And uh, right now, according to imdb.com, you have three movies in pre-production. You have one filming. Uh, you have one in post-production. You have a couple that have been completed. The one thing I want to ask you about, uh, it says uh, you're an executive producer on the Friday the 13th, Leah. Is that is that isn't Friday the 13th like Jason, uh, Friday the 13th? No, unfortunately, no. That was just a short film, uh, like a fan film. And it was actually, it's funny, it was actually shot on the first uh, Clam Hotel Spirits Arise. Um, so we had an extra few hours, and we're working with Ari Lehman, who's the first Jason Voorhees who comes out of the lake. And, uh, you know, we're like, let's do a little fan film for a couple hours. And, yeah, and we didn't release that one yet, but we'll actually probably put that on the second uh, DVD as a special feature. And uh, you also have uh, a Metal Heavy uh, in pre-production. You have Clowny in pre-production. And you have, uh, what is it, Animate Existence in pre-production. So uh, yeah. in your, are you, have you started shooting scenes for those? Have you just, uh, are you looking for uh, people to be in the film? Uh, um, do you just have it written yeah. and you're trying to get it down? Uh, take us through where you're at with those. Yeah, so those, um, well, at least uh, Clowny, uh, that's our first one we're going to shoot in the summer of this year, then Clown Motel 3. And then after that, you know, we have four films we're releasing um, in the fall, or not the fall, I'm sorry, the spring of 2022, uh, which I, you know, explained Appetite for Sin, Clown Motel 2, uh, The Bleeding Dark, and Compatible. So those will be out. And then once those four come out, we'll plan some more films um, when they're coming out. But Animated Existence will probably be the following year, 2023. And that would be more like a banner snatch kind of Netflix uh, choose your own destiny kind of game. Now, when you uh, when you when you do a film and uh, you you're trying to get uh, you know funding and you're trying to get a, a company to bring it out, uh, do they do they tell you as you're making this like, well, that's going right to video or that's going right to Netflix or yes, we'll put this on the big screen? How does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, as you move forward and stuff, you have distribution connections, and you learn as you go, and pretty much, you know, we see what works with distribution, what doesn't. Uh, we keep our contacts, and, um, yeah, we just move up. Every film seems to get bigger and stuff, and I uh, want to thank all of our backers. I mean, throughout the, like, films, we had, you know, probably about three to 400 backers each film, and, you know, they're the ones that bring this to life, too, so big shout-out to them. And uh, you know when you're uh, when you're going through the the casting process, uh, are you looking uh, for like a person that fits that character? Do you look for someone with a certain look, a certain speech pattern? When you're casting, what do you look for? Yeah, definitely. And now it depends on the role. Like you know, in the last Clown Motel, for an example, we had military and clowns. So for the military, you could um, you know imagine you know nice clean cut hair and shape somewhat or whatever. And then uh, for clowns, clowns could vary in all sizes and vampires too a little bit. Um, but, yeah, it all depends on the roles. And, you know, with these other movies coming out, um, 
more roles will be opening up to different, you know, types of characters and all that. And uh, when you're uh, when you're trying to cast, what exactly are you looking for? Are you looking for uh, someone that uh, can be uh, on the set all the time? Are you looking for uh, someone oh, that can course. be like a right hand, a left hand? What is the main quality that you look for? Yeah, well, with casting, um, and we're going to open that up to our casting department in the you know years coming. Um, look for a variety. Of course, it's uh, more um, you know reliable and stuff. We'll give you a shooting schedule, make sure everyone could be there for the days. And we have roles, you know, sometimes it's two to three day roles. Sometimes it's 10 day roles, but we're on shoot for, you know, two weeks, but we need, you know, them there the whole time. Um, Cause you know, I can't, you know, chance them not coming or missing a day of shooting. And that's just more uh, work for us on the production side. And uh, let's say that uh, someone uh, is, you know, scheduled to be there for two days. Do you, uh, uh, do they do you fly them out and then you give them hotel accommodations or uh do you have them come out on their own accord say you'll be here for two days uh yeah and we learned a lot that from uh, that too because i think in the first time cloud motel uh we ended up flying because i'm originally from new york so we had a good handful of people fly from new york and all that but we try to get about 75 percent of our local talent that could actually come in or come in on their own from, you know, Los Angeles, Nevada area. And then we will usually pick, you know, a handful of people to fly in and stuff or um, see, yeah, see what we could work out. And depends who they are too. Like we just worked with um, Courtney Gaines, Children of the Corn, uh, the original Malcolm. And he was, um, he was great, but he was from Atlanta, Georgia. So we had to fly him all the way from, uh, to Oregon. Uh, Joseph Kelly is our guest here and we have uh Six minutes left, uh, give or take a little bit. Now, I want to go back to uh, Bumblebee, I, and I don't know mm-hmm. uh, how much you'd be willing to give away from the uh, uh, from the production. But did you, uh, when you're on set, did you ever get to sit in the, uh, sit in any of the cars? Uh, did you uh, actually get to watch them transform? Uh, what was it like being on that set? Yeah, most of it was, um, you know, CGI. Of course, um, you had your practical cars too. And, uh, yeah, I mean, whatever the scene was, I know, you know, he started off the day with having to put on that scar scene I had on his eye. Uh, so go to makeup first. And, uh, I mean, locations could vary, you know. As I said, you could be in a green screen room for half the day or you could just be, you know, somewhere in the middle of the desert. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the CD, uh, CGI. Of course, we know that the cars aren't real. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, like, you know, Right, yeah. So you know, you're talking. You know, you're in a green screen. Uh, you know, what is that like when you're in a green screen room and you know you nothing is there and you have to act like it's there? How do how, how do they direct you in a green screen room? <clears throat> yeah, and it all depends um, too. I mean, pretty much, it would just be like the same thing. Sometimes there'd be like a green box there, and you'd be like, okay, pretend this is the car. Pretend this is like a tree you're hiding behind. You know, so you just have to use your imagination mostly and and pretty much all that would be done of course in post-production they probably i could imagine spend you know three to four months if not more just on the cgi and uh how long were uh how long were you on production on bumblebee i was i think it was for about 12 no was it uh 10 to 12 days i believe because then we had some days also where we had to come in before you know like a day to test out the makeup you know when cena wasn't there and then just the days on set so when you uh when you uh are pegged to be his uh, stand in uh 
did you uh did they ask you did you volunteer for that and like hey i'd like to be a stand-in or how, how did uh how did you get that yeah little, that's that funny role? well because half the time i couldn't see where he was <laughs> no but um um actually it's because travis knight as i was saying was the director uh, and he actually handpicked me out um for my casting agent uh you know and i guess you know i had tattoos and they wanted like a shirtless picture or whatever but they bypassed the tattoos and they're like okay yep so I was handpicked actually from the director, so that was kind of cool. Well, you know, I'm kind of curious. Uh, I've always wanted to know this because, like, you know, The Rock has a lot of tattoos, and there's been a, a few movies where they had to remove them. So, uh, have, have, how does that process work? Do they have to go in and physically remove them? Or do they put makeup and cover them up and paint you up? Or how does oh, that yeah. work when they cover them up? Yeah, they have cover up makeup, usually like a spray gun. And, you know, if they do it good and time-wise, I mean, they do it, they got pretty quick and it's done, you know, within 20, 30 minutes, they could get all the tattoos covered up and stuff. And throughout the, it stays pretty good throughout the day. Maybe by the end of the day, they might have to do some light touches up, touch-ups, you know, if it's showing and stuff. Uh, Joseph Kelly's our guest here. We got uh, three or four minutes here left with uh, Joseph. Uh, and like I say, I might extend it just a little bit. So now, you know, you mentioned you had to have a, you know, a, a topless scene, uh you know, topless for you is a little different from the gals, but uh, do they did they get, did you like, did they like add muscles and like give you like a six pack and stuff like that? Or do you already no, have with stand, Yeah, no. Yeah. With the standing. No. And this was all before COVID too. So I actually went to wrestling school. I think you're actually friends with him, uh, with Mr. Hughes, Curtis Hughes. I uh, went to yep. wrestling school in Georgia and I was, you know, back at my max, I was about two thirty and stuff, but sometimes you don't have to be identical just for the pre, pre-shots and stuff. I mean, I think Chris Hemsworth, his uh, stunt double is actually like three inches shorter, and he has to wear these, like, platform shoes. Wow. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I remember the, uh, I don't know if you remember the Super Bowl last year when they had uh, Aquaman, uh, when he's mm-hmm. uh, walking through his apartment, and he's, like, pulling off his muscles and pulling oh, off yeah, his Oh, yeah, he got all skinny. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Hollywood obviously can build you up to be like a muscle. I mean, I'm not saying that uh, Aquaman is, is is skinny like that, but if they need to add muscle, if they need to add weight, whatever, they can all do that. Have you had to have that done? Um, no, no. So luckily, no, um, not yet. But I know what you mean, and definitely like with the movie 300, I believe they had to like do that to pretty much all the six-packs. Like they would draw the lines and then just touch it up in uh, post-production. Now uh, we have we have just a few minutes here left, and you know we do appreciate uh, you being on the uh, show with us and taking uh, taking time on your schedule. But uh, so we can do this, I, I just realized I forgot to do this with our uh, our last guest. But if our fans want to check you out and see you, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok, a mm-hmm. bodybuilding website. What do you? Got? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I do use Facebook. That's my only platform right now. It's a you know, A. Joe Kelly production. Uh, Joseph Kelly's the name. We also have our movie websites, Clown Motel Compatible, Appetite for Sin, The Bleed and Dark, uh, Clowny, and also um, YouTube is Director J. Kelly. And we should have some new trailers coming out shortly. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, uh, you're awesome, and we do appreciate, like I said, you taking time on your schedule. Uh, is there uh, any film right now that you're working on that you're really passionate about that you want your uh, our fans listening to gravitate towards when it comes out? 
Yeah, no, our um, good one right now is pretty much, as I said, uh, with distribution, we're releasing that, so we should know a release date in about a month, so we're thinking the spring. But Clown Motel 2 um, should be everywhere you could find it. I mean, Walmart, Target, Best Buy, um, hopefully Redbox this time, too. Uh, and all the other ones, as I mentioned before, should be coming out shortly. And, yeah, we're just looking for a whole um, good release and get them out all worldwide. And we do have a little assignment for our, our fans right now. If you uh, go to our Facebook page, Off the Ropes, you like that, you go to Ken's FM's page on Facebook, like that, do a $10 a month, we'll get you qualified to win an uh, autograph from a past guest, a future guest, or a current guest. Uh, would you be willing to send us a few uh, autographs for giveaways, Joe? Yeah, of course, of course. I actually um, can send a couple copies of Clown Motel signed. Uh, this uh, Spirits Arise one, because the second one didn't come out yet, and I could sign, um, send one Tony Moran uh, script. That's the first Halloween Michael Myers um, signed. Well, yeah, I would, uh, and I'll send you the address uh, where to send that to, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, and then maybe we can uh, donate one of those to help power the tower here at the radio station, you know, because uh, radio is an expensive business, and uh, you know, you got to get the funding, and uh, uh, hopefully, uh, with all the autographs we're going to get from our uh, guests, we can uh, donate a few of those and, uh, you know, some we can discuss later. But, you know, I'll tell you what, Joe, uh, you have been so awesome, and uh, we do want to have you on again. And like I've uh, talked to our uh, previous guests, you know, I do apologize that uh, – Time zones are not my strong suit, so when you got that call at 2 in the morning and you got the text at 2 in the morning saying, uh, call us in 10 hours and 20 minutes, uh, you know, I, uh, you know uh, I'm glad that uh, you still no have my uh, – I know I still – I'm glad you still keep my phone in your, uh, in your, in your phone on speed dial. Uh, unlike a lot of my relatives, when I, I call, they have my name <laughs> and number saved this. do not answer this. It's <laughs> a spam, right? <laughs> no. Uh, no, yeah, thank you guys for having me, though. It was so great. I had a fun time with all of you. And I just had a question, Granny Hulkster. So is her favorite yes. person the Hulkster? Well, I mean, I always liked Hulk Hogan, you know. I mean, I actually had a little boy come up and ask me one time if I was Hulk Hogan's grandmother. And I said, no, baby. I said, Hulk Hogan's older than I am, so I can't be his grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was just a gimmick name that um, a coworker gave me because I like to watch wrestling. I mean, I like to watch, you know, I, I really like the independent shows more. I mean, I I don't watch a lot of uh, WWE lately. I watch AEW a lot, you know, but um, there was a company in Arkansas called Traditional Championship Wrestling, and they did TV tapings, and they still show the old reruns down in the Little Rock area, and they quit running in 2013. And I met a lot of big-time names like Tommy Dreamer, Hexel Jim Duggan. I'm personal friends oh, yeah. with the Rock and Roll Express, Trevor Murdoch, yeah. Trevor Murdoch, you know, and everything. And um, I still, to this day, I still have people come up and ask me if I'm granny, you know, because they recognize <laughs> me, you know. And, I mean, I, I holler at all the bad guys at the wrestling shows. They tell me to sit down and shut up before I break a hip or don't I have uh, a curfew at the nursing home. And I'm only 59 years old. So if you ever do a show like you wear wrestling and you need fans, I, I'm your girl for the front row <laughs> 
Oh, that yeah. sounds great. Especially, especially hollering at the bad guys and say, if you ever come to Arkansas, that's where I live. I live in Arkansas. So if you ever come to Arkansas and do a movie and it has anything to do with professional wrestling, I'm your girl. So just contact me. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds great, Granny. Uh, you know, even even out even out wherever you're at, you know you ever you know you need somebody for wrestling fans. Contact me. I'm your girl. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, you know, uh, well, you know, and like I say, uh, Joe, we, uh, you know, we a lot of fans may think that you know we bring directors and actors on because you know I'm trying to get myself over, and that is a wrestling term. Get yourself. You can either get yourself over, put yourself over. Uh, get someone else over or put someone else over and uh, uh i'm i'm good at getting uh i'm good at putting myself over but i haven't got myself over yet but uh like i say joe anything you need in the future if you have a uh a part for me or granny or chrissy we would love to come out and help you out and like i say i'll do anything you need me to do even if you want to throw me off a building i'm right there and i'll do anything you need <laughs> me to do I'll i just want to be part of policy. it all right thanks so much yeah <laughs> Please stay connected, guys, right, thanks, on my Facebook and stuff. You're awesome, buddy. Thanks, thank Joe. you. Cool. No problem. Thank you, guys. No. Bye. All right. Joseph Kelly, ladies and gentlemen, what a great, awesome guy. Uh, you know, I think that uh, hopefully uh, with Joe and with uh, uh, Jeff, uh, you'll be seeing the icon on the big screen or the little screen or uh, even uh, – because everybody knows if I get on the big screen or the small screen, you know I'm going to find a way to turn it into a screensaver or a ringtone or something, uh, just so everybody <laughs> knows where I'm at. Uh, unfortunately, I believe that uh, our our third wheel, Chrissy, has to uh, take off for this interview, but uh, we do appreciate you being with us, Chrissy, for filling in for a big swing. Thanks, Chrissy. And uh, oh, hopefully no you can problem. do it again. I will. I will. I promise I'll be back on. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks, Chrissy. Have a good night. No problem. You too. Good night. Good night. All right. So uh, we uh, our next guest is waiting in the wings, but uh, what we will do here is we'll take a quick little time out, and uh, we will be back here in about uh, 30 seconds. The new Woodspring Suites of Fargo, located at 1090 35th Street North at the I-29 and 12th Avenue North Interchange, is an extended-stay, pet-friendly hotel with kitchenettes in every room, including a stovetop, full-size fridge, and microwave, plus a big 40-inch flat-screen TV with free Wi-Fi. You can book a room at 701-582-1600 or online at www.woodspring.com. Woodspring Suites of Fargo, rated 4.2 by Trust score. And uh, if you uh, and if you want a good place to stay, uh, always uh, check out Woodspring Suites. And not only do that, uh, you can when you're sitting in your hotel room at Woodspring Suites, tune in 89.1 Ken's FM. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to move right on to our next guest here, and uh, he's uh, walking down the aisle as he steps out of the green room, and uh, he is a podcast master himself. He is Sean Cremeris. Hey, hey, uh, this is Big Sean Cremeris, and you're listening to the Attitude Era live on 89.1 Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the big swing, and of course, Granny Hulkster. All right, and uh, Sean, if you have a, if you have a computer on show. or anything like that. 
You might want to mute that so uh, it doesn't feed back. Feedback. Hold on. Wonder why. Here, let's do this. I put you on a Bluetooth headset to try to make it sound better, but I guess it didn't work. How's that, guys? Better? Better. Yes, perfect. All right. So, Sean, here's what we're going to do. Uh, uh, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and then uh, we'll bring Granny on. Uh, unfortunately, our, <clears throat> our co-host had to go. But, uh, but before we do that, if you want to give us a background about yourself, and then we can fill in the blanks with the questions. Oh, absolutely. So um, I, uh, I love the world of professional wrestling. It's been my thing since I was a child. Uh, my lucky chance to break into it is uh, I do uh, production for a bunch of pretty, really great companies across this country. Uh, and in addition, I'm a ring announcer as well as a play-by-play guy. I uh, work for some great companies such as PPW out of Pennsylvania, uh, Daddy Yap Productions out of Buffalo, New York, Upstate Pro Wrestling out of Rochester, New York, the Northern Federation of Wrestling based out of New Jersey, New York Championship Wrestling based out of the championship or, or the capital region of New York State, Albany, New York. I'm just all over the place and, uh, you know, trying to make it in this crazy world of pro wrestling. Uh, we have Sean as our guest here. We've got uh, 32 minutes left of uh, radio time before we got to do the news and all the other good stuff. So now when you decided to break into business, what was your ultimate goal um, or have you hit it? Uh, my ultimate goal uh, – honestly was to just get an opportunity to break in Uh, it seems very far-fetched it's it's just such a tough business to get into it's so protected and rightfully so my my goal was to get in and but those kind of evolved over the years you know once you got that first crack you're like oh wow i didn't see this as being possible so what's the next thing you know so i went from holding a camera breaking in the door to uh, just kind of thinking in my head i'm like well what can i do next so then i uh Started to dabble in the commentary a little bit. Found out I was pretty serviceable at that. Started getting opportunities to do that. And it evolved into uh, us building the closed fist with my partner, Russ, uh, you know, into basically a full-service production wing. We uh, were able to go live uh, with, with up to four cameras, full 1080p, crisp HD. I mean, all, we can do all kinds of stuff. And as it evolved, I'm like, let's just ride this thing and keep going. So, you know, now the goal would be to uh, – and maybe get a seat in the chair on a national stage calling some matches. And, you know, hopefully if I work towards it, something that could be a thing in the future. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit uh, towards the end there. Uh, now, when, you, uh, when you're broadcasting, what is your broadcasting style? Uh, are, you like, uh, are you like to cut up like a Bobby Heenan, or you, you do the heel kind of thing like, uh, like the king, or are you more like JR that uh, does everything and have someone else fill in uh, the comedy stuff? That's, uh, that's me. I'm the JR slash Gorilla Monsoon style. I try to like put myself – I, I, I try to put myself somewhere between Tony Schiavone, JR, and Gorilla Monsoon with my pace and the type of things I use. And I work best with somebody who compliments on the heel side of things or somebody who will take a dig at me to kind of get me to think a little bit. Well, you know, uh, I, uh, we, have a, we have a local uh, wrestling promotion here, uh, Papa Mania, that I uh, do broadcasting for. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> you know... I, I myself have never been good at the uh, the play-by-play type. I've always been good at the color part uh, just because I can add, like, uh, little jabs and stuff, kind of like, you know, what the king used to do while well, the king still does, uh, you know, kind of like what uh, Bobby Heenan used to do, like kind of like do like a cut-up, uh, you know, just a cut-up few lines and then uh, have the, uh, the commentator feed off of what I'm doing. 
uh, which has kind of been my forte. Uh, we have uh, we have Sean as our guest here, and uh, we have uh, well, we have about uh, well, we have about 29 minutes here. Uh, so I guess my next question is, uh, being with all these different promotions, uh, have you had the uh, opportunity uh, to uh, who who's the uh, the coolest guy that you've had to meet in the independence uh, that that was once a pro wrestler, and uh, is there anybody that you want to meet that you haven't met yet? I've been I, I've, I've been incredibly lucky through PPW Pennsylvania Premier Wrestling. I mean, these shows get bigger every single month. Um, you know, we're we were the first match back on the independence for Buddy Murphy. Uh, we were just the first match back on the Independence for Jonah, the former Bronson Reed, this past Saturday. Uh, names like that stick out in my head. Uh, the thing that blows my mind to this day is uh, I, I get to work month in and month out with a guy named Davey Richards. I'm sure you guys are both very familiar with. And, you know, I grew up watching this guy and, you know, just admiring his work in Ring of Honor and all the way up through Impact Wrestling. <laughs> and to be able to call this guy a colleague on a monthly basis, it just blows my mind. Blows my mind completely. <laughs> Now, uh, yeah, and uh, as, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, Davey Richards, uh, you know, he's one guy that I would do anything to uh, um, have as a guest on the show. Maybe you can get us hooked up with him. I can, uh, I can pass your information on and and, and uh, see if uh, see if he's interested at some point. That would be awesome. Uh, so, uh, Sean is our guest here. What I'm going to do is I'm going to bring on uh, uh, our. Uh, our legendary co-host here it's granny hulkster uh you know uh you mentioned that uh you know you're more of the straight shooter jr so you're not like a heel commentator but uh i'm sure granny's got a few questions for you go ahead granny what do you got well welcome to the show and i am just a huge wrestling fan i'm not a wrestler even though i've had a bunch of wrestlers threaten to throw me in the ring a few times but I've met some pretty big names over the years. Um, like I said, there was a company that ran in Arkansas for a while called Traditional Championship Wrestling, and they had a lot of big-time people that would come wrestle for them. Um, Matt Hardy, Tommy Dreamer, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Mickey James, the Rock and Roll Express. I mean, the list goes on. Jake Roberts, Diamond Dallas Page. I mean, I could just keep going on and on. And I, Granny does not like the heels. I can talk some pretty good smack to the bad guys when I have to. They tell me to sit down and shut up before I break a hip, or don't you have a curfew at the nursing home? And I'm 59 years old, and I'm proud of it. But I love the independent shows. I love interacting with the wrestlers. And they still show the old reruns on TV down in the Little Rock area. And I still, to this day, they quit running in 2013, and I still, to this day, I have people come up and ask me, hey, aren't you that lady from TCW? Aren't you granny? Because they always had me sitting in the front row in the center seat facing the cameras because they knew that I was would always interact with the wrestlers or they knew that the wrestlers would always interact with me, especially the bad guys. <laughs> I love doing what I do. So what is your favorite thing about getting to, you know, commentate or, you know, help promote or, you know, what's your favorite thing about about getting to do stuff like that? Great question. First of all, thank you so much for having me, Granny Hulkster. The pleasure is absolutely all mine. Uh, it's an honor to be here tonight. Um, I'll tell you, what I love the most about my role as a play-by-play guy when I'm out there is I get to, I get to tell the story. 
I get to get across the points that, you know, we're trying to get the audience to, to take from watching the match. And at the same time, I get to work with the talent and, and be a big part, maybe an integral part, in, in getting across the characters that they're trying to portray and helping our audience to understand, you know, what it is they're, they're supposed to be taking from what they're seeing. That's my favorite thing. I just love being able to tell the story for the people. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we have uh, we have our guest here. We got about uh, twenty five minutes now. When you um, when you decided to uh, branch out and get into the commentary role, did uh, were they looking for a commentator, or did you think, well, hey, I'd, I'd be pretty good at that? Uh, did you have to try out? Kind of take us through that a little bit. I I, I kind of had thought to myself, I'm like, I just do this sitting on the couch to myself. I think I'd be pretty good at this. There wasn't any places that were specifically looking for a commentator. But at the time, you know, and still to this day, we're always trying to grow the podcast page where we can be found at the Close Fist on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, so at the time, I, I was kind of going around, and we were getting into interviewing talent at local promotions, you know, ones who would have us. And, you know, I thought about it. I mean, I picked some smaller promotions to start, and in my head, I'm like, I don't see anything video-wise ever released for these guys. So my first foray into it was kind of just uh, taking my cell phone, putting it on a handheld tripod, and you know, like live streaming the show from ringside and doing live action commentary on what I was seeing in the ring. And that, uh, you know, turned into another promotion, giving me a chance to do that. And just by chance, the following month, I was back at that promotion. And, you know, their typical play-by-play guy had no voice that night. So they asked me to sit in, and I never left the table after that. And uh, you've been doing that for, what you said, uh, what, four years now, you said? I started uh, my I started doing the commentary part in 2019. Uh, first camera work was at the end of 2018. Uh, the pandemic got got in the middle of it big time. Uh, you know, I kind of cut off anything that was going on. So I was at that point working for a couple of places locally: one in Rochester, one in Buffalo. Daddy Ed and Upstate Pro, as I mentioned. Uh, but the pandemic hit New York State. We weren't able to do anything. You know, the law completely cut off. You can't even leave your house here kind of inching back that way unfortunately right now let's hope it slows down a bit but yeah it kind of put a, a, a it kind of put a curtailed my plans completely uh, but we got lucky and uh, you know eventually they allowed gyms to open up again and believe it or not a pro wrestling school is considered a fitness facility you know so with that in mind uh, Flower City Wrestling Academy out of Rochester uh, you know which is the, the professional school for upstate pro wrestling was able to open their doors and, you know, we just kind of began producing television again, uh, you know, cause the, the, our way around it was the fact that, you know, it was a, it was a gym. So what we were doing was completely legal in the state's eyes. So that allowed me to get back at it and to not only do the commentary stuff again, that also, uh, you know, got me into the production side. You know, I just kind of sort of took over at that point. I started setting up my equipment, you know, doing the final edit. Um, and, that, and everywhere I go, that's pretty much what I do. Um, when you see a video release from a promotion that I'm a part of, Chances are I made it, and I was, you know, the guy on the back end. So it was an it was an interesting year, and I'm I'm really excited that 2021 has turned out the way it has, and we're kind of going into 2022, you know, in pretty good shape as far as professional wrestling goes. It's gonna be nuts to see what I can make out of this, and uh, you know, hopefully someday I'll be out your way or something. Well, you know, uh, you know, we'll, uh, I'll. We don't want to touch on it too much because, you know, COVID was a bad thing, but how many shows did you guys lose uh, because of it? 
our we some of the promotions still haven't had a show yet. Uh, Daddy at Productions, my Buffalo base, which is my home, we haven't even had a show yet based on COVID. So we lost a whole year's worth of shows. <clears throat> and Upstate Pro lost like a, also a year's worth of shows. They just were able to get back in September. Um, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like New York, I mean, half of the promotions in the state just completely died out because of this stuff. Now, and then you mentioned you're, you're slowly starting to get back into it. Uh, have they, uh, are they going to reschedule those shows or uh, are they just, are they just done or are, because we're, I think we're starting to turn the corner again, but uh, are they, uh, are places wanting you guys to come and uh, redo the shows that were canceled or postponed? Uh, we're, 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 we're coming on hot at Daddy F Productions. We've had some scheduling issues. So like, not only was there the COVID thing, there's also, uh, you know, a record staffing issues in the medical field. So one of the requirements for New York state in order to be able to run a show is you have to have an ambulance at your venue the entire time. In addition to a doctor on site, which I mean, that's, those are good rules as far as safety of the talent goes, but it can be kind of tough when, uh, you know, there's, there's vaccine mandates and other things that are preventing, uh, you know, like ambulance companies from being fully staffed. So what happens in cases like that is you'll run into a time where they say we can't, we can't spare a rig, you know, because we're, we're short-staffed as far as providing emergency medical care service. So that's been a big thorn in our side, but that we seem to be turning a corner and we're aiming for a February show at this point, which we're really looking forward to getting going because we were on a hot streak before this happened. And, uh, and Rochester – we're getting going again. That September show was the first one back, but we recently moved uh, our Flower City Wrestling Academy into a local mall in Rochester, New York, and it's going to be pr- the premier wrestling setup maybe in the country. It's so cool. It's modeled after a New York subway. Uh, if you check out Flower City Wrestling Academy on Facebook, you can see pictures of this place. Uh, we're going to be back to running monthly starting in January, so stay tuned for some dates there. So we're coming back out full force. So now do you have you noticed that uh... – since uh, you guys have been able to open back up, that uh, the the fan base is still where it was, and they're just looking to get out, or do you find that uh, there's more just wanting to get in? I'll tell you what, they're chomping at the bit here. We get messages at our pages all day long asking when are the, when's the show, when do tickets go on sale, and we've been uh, you know through Daddy F Productions, we've been producing re- weekly TV uh, that we've been putting out free on Facebook, and we see these viewership numbers grow every single week each and every week, and we see the engagement in the comments and the comment section going up every single week, too. They're chomping at the bit. And there's been other New York promotions that have been able to come back and run. And, I mean, they're drawing well, probably better than pre-pandemic levels. There's a, there's a thirst uh, and, and a heavy need for wrestling right now. And, I mean, we're going to provide it. <laughs> now, uh, when someone uh, comes to your show, uh, what can they expect? Uh, of course, we can't talk about ticket prices, but what can they expect? How many matches? How long uh, uh, can they expect to be in the arena? Uh, do uh, wrestlers give autographs at, at intermission? Uh, do you guys have food? Uh, kind of take us through uh, a typical show for you guys. Uh, your typical show uh, on the level we're at here is typically between eight to ten matches. Uh, that's see between two and a half to three and a half hours of runtime. Uh, every single show, uh, the best part about independent wrestling, pretty much on any level, is of course you can expect autographs to be signed. There's going to be a meet and greet before the show where you'll get a chance to talk to literally anybody that's on the card. Uh, these guys are going to have merchandise. If you buy it from them, they'll sign it. 
Heck, if you've got something with just their picture on it, most of the time they'll just sign it for you. These guys, like, they want to meet their fans. They want to get to know their fans because yeah, that's what grows the community, and that's what creates word of mouth. So when you come to an independent show, not only are you going to get a chance to, you know, see somebody that might be on television before you know it, you're going to get a chance to know them personally. And that's what makes the independent so cool. It makes when people do transition to that higher level, people who are fans on the independents feel that you know, they get an emotional kick out of seeing these guys going. So it's really the best experience you can get in the world of wrestling, if you ask me. I agree and, uh, 110% on that. Well, you know, the other question I had is like, uh, you know, uh, back in the day, uh, you know, I know a lot of wrestlers hate that term, but back in the day, you know, uh, heels uh, would not be at autograph tables and whatnot because they were heels. Uh, that has changed a lot, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, and, and you know what? I'm, I'm kind of old school in my line of thinking, too, and sometimes I question that. You know, why you see why you see a heel sign and autographs and being friendly with everybody. I get it. 2021 is a different time, but, man, it's still real to me. I wish k was still a much bigger factor in this stuff. I don't know about you guys. And uh, what, uh, if, you know, if you wanted to be a wrestler, would you be a baby face, a heel, or an in-between, or a crowd guy? I, I think, like, in my heart I'd want to be a face, but, I, you know, it's so easy to be a heel if you think about it. <laughs> Just for career purposes, I'd probably pick to be a heel out of the gate because, you know, chances are if you if you if you have any chance of making it at all, you'd probably have a pretty good chance of getting over as a heel because all you got to do is crap on the town and you know take simple shots. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I've been around this business for many years as a fan, and it's I mean, and I, I and I have heard this from my wrestling friends who are heels in the business. And they say it's a lot easier to be a heel because you don't have to work as hard because the crowd will hate you almost every single time, you know. So yeah. I mean, uh, it's you know, it's it's easy. It's easy. I mean, I have a very good friend. He doesn't wrestle anymore. He had to give it up because of his health. But he was a heel. I mean, he was always a heel. And for the longest time, we would go to independent shows, and he would not come talk to us, you know, at intermission when all the other wrestlers were out there. But And then, oh, I don't know how long it was, and he finally, you know, and he's one of our best friends, you know. He's he's one of our very best friends, you know, that, I mean, and I've known him for probably 20-plus years, but, you know, it's... um. But that's what I love about the independent shows because when, you know, like I said, when TCW ran all the time, we had so many big-name stars that would come and appear, and, you know, and I, and I loved it. I mean, you know, I, and, I, and I love interacting with those wrestlers. I mean, it is so much fun. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's the best part. I mean, that's what got me hooked on the independent level, too, was just the level of interaction. And you, it's, there's not a better value. Uh, you can spend big money and go to the big show and, you know, be 300 feet away from people, or you can spend little money and feel like you're the only person in attendance. Well, well a, lot of my, <laughs> a lot of my independent wrestling friends lately have been making appearances on AEW Dark, on a lot of their AEW Dark matches. Uh, matter, I mean, I've had a lot of my independent wrestling friends lately actually um, – 
And one of my very good independent wrestling fans, friends, um, Fuego de Sol, he actually got a contract with AEW. I mean, you know, so it's... Fuego's like I, the hottest I'm so, thing going in AEW right now. Such a fan yeah. favorite. That's awesome that yeah. you know him from the independent level. Yeah, I do. I, I know him from the independent scene, and, and a lot of my independent friends lately have been making appearances. Um, one of my very good WF from Wrestling for a Cause, they do independent wrestling shows for kids that are fighting childhood cancer. Luke Langley, he was in a tag team match not too long ago on AEW Dark, and I am really so proud of Luke. I've known Luke, gosh, I mean, I don't know how many years I've known Luke. I've known him a lot of years, and I'm so proud of these guys, you know, that are making their names, you know, for AEW. I, I'm so proud of them, and, you know, I can say, wow, you know, I know them, you know. <laughs> you and know, that's exactly but, like, that goes right to the point I was making earlier, too. Like, that's the difference between the independent experience. You get such a, a different emotional feeling, you know, just from seeing somebody not even get announced. It just it adds a whole different level to the, the, the ability to love this stuff, just, you know, experiencing it at this level. Mm-hmm. I, it's I'll awesome. tell you what, it's I got to give a shout-out to our Pride and Joy, uh, Buffalo, New York's Pride and Joy, the Red Death, Daniel Garcia. I know you guys have been watching him on AEW. He's a Grapplers yep. Anonymous pro wrestling trainee graduate, uh, and uh, Grapplers Anonymous feeds Daddy F Productions, that promotion I've been talking year off about all night. <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing about, you know, you talk about AEW, and uh, we we kind of have a little paid to fame here, and I'm going to ask you this question before I talk about that. Uh, let's say that uh, someone from uh, AEW or the WWE, they hear one of your matches on audio commentary, and they say, hey, you know, we're going to be having tryouts. We're looking for uh, uh, announcer to do house shows. Uh, Two-part question. One, is that something you'd want to do? And if you get that big-time contract, would you not big-time us and still talk to us? Well, I would never big-time anybody um, because at the end of the day, I'm still a nobody. I mean, anybody who has the determination and the will can sit in the chair and do what we do. You know what I mean? So, no, I mean, I'm never, I'll never be a guy that will big-time anybody. And, you know, you know how I said earlier about goals evolving? Well, my goal has evolved into uh, filling Jim Ross's chair someday. So, absolutely, I would love to go to AEW. <laughs> now, I was going to ask your opinion. You know, uh, we've all heard about all the uh, all the uh, different, uh, uh, you know, all the different layoffs and stuff that the WWE is doing. What is your opinion on that? And do you think it's going to help or hurt the independent scene? Um, I think it's a, I think it's going to be a blessing for the independent scene. Uh, flashback to 2018. I don't know if you remember the craziness that was the independent scene before AEW became a thing. WWE didn't have their eye on all that much talent. They were letting people grow on the independence. I think that's what we're going to get back to. I mean, there's only so many spots in AEW, so what that means is it's going to raise the competition level between the talents on the independence. Everyone's going to be working their behinds off to get those few spots that are available. So I think with that sort of level of competition between the talents, uh, you know, people sitting on the other side of the railing are going to be in for a treat in 2022. We're going to see some banger cards, and there's going to be some talents that, you know, in previous years just would not have been available. They're just out there for the pickings every single weekend. So I think nationwide we're going to see great shows, and we're going to see maybe another boom year for independent wrestling. There's so much going on good for indie wrestling right now. you got IWTV making it available to the masses. Independents are taking over Fight TV, including a place I'm at, Pennsylvania Premier Wrestling. We just premiered our show, Traditions, Friday night at 8 o'clock Eastern time. I mean, that's a big deal to be able to get prime time on a thing like Fight. 
it's going to be a big year for independent wrestling in 2022. You can mark my mark it on mark it as a prediction of mine and, and call me on it if I'm wrong. You know, and uh, you know, I I, I kind of mentioned this. Uh, you know, I like I said, I ask all independent wrestlers and uh, those that are affiliated with independent wrestling that same question. Now we had a we had a wrestler on with us when she was 17 years old, and uh, we were her first interview ever, and it's Kenzie Page, and uh, she made an appearance on AEW, and uh, after the show was over, I actually called her and. Uh, uh, just to see if she would keep her promise, you know. And she said, I got a few minutes, uh, but how you doing? I said, well, I just, I was just calling to see you. You said you would still talk to me, so uh, that was it. But it was it was kind of awesome, you know, uh, that how many how many podcasts could say that, uh, that they, uh, you know, that they uh, started uh, their career, uh off on the foot with uh, <laughs> with a, with a podcast. Now speaking of podcasts, let, let's kind of let's kind of switch gears here. And uh, we have Sean as our guest here. We got about eight minutes here before I got to pay the bills. Uh, what? Uh, tell us about your podcast and uh, when are you going to have me and Granny as a guest on your show? <laughs> we need to get going again. Our podcast we're called the Closed Fist. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, we started out as just uh, kind of trying to support the independents, doing shows on the indies, doing interviews, just some roundtable discussions, uh, and it evolved. We at one point had a weekly AEW review show, a weekly NWA review show, and just a generalized show uh, on Sunday nights talking about everything in the world of wrestling. But, you know, as it is in wrestling, the card is subject to change. We've been, uh, I don't want to say we've lost our groove, but we've been so crazy busy with the production company aspects and us getting out there doing play-by-play together, Russ and I, <clears throat> that uh, the show's kind of a little bit gone to the wayside. We're looking to come back and kind of focus on the indies again, and we're looking to do that really soon. But we had a lot of traction before we kind of had to lay it back to get our to meet our commitments in the, in the wrestling world. Um, I'll tell you what, when we come back, I'll make you guys one of our first guests. <laughs> Well, you know, not that uh, not that I'm bragging. Of course, I am, but uh, I guarantee you, if you're looking for a big ratings, I'm the guy you want to call, and I'll, we'll bring Granny on with us as well. And she's she's got, uh, you know, he, here's basically how it works. Uh, granny uh, would take, uh, and Granny, don't hate me for this. Uh, granny would take uh, <laughs> wrestling from say the 70s to the 80s. Uh, I take uh, 80s to the 90s, and Big Swing uh, takes from the 90s and beyond. So, you know, we cover three generations of uh, three decades of wrestling uh, with the three of us. And, uh, you know, we went through the uh, Legends era to the uh, Attitude era to the PG era to the Ruthless Aggression era to the the what-the-heck-are-they-doing-now era, you know. Uh, you know, you got to admit though, the product right now uh, is not exactly, you know, uh, where it should be. Correct? You do agree with that? A hundred percent. I hate to say it, I think a lot of a lot of a lot, a lot of focus has gone off the storytelling. Uh, you're not you're you're not seeing, and I'm really thankful for AEW for this aspect. You know, we're seeing Tony Khan tell the long-term stories again, and that's something that's been missing for a long time. Everything's hot-shotted. It's a two-week program. You know, because you've got four weeks of TV to fill a month across two networks. You know, so I think that the the exposure that wrestling has gotten has been great for business, but at the same time, it's definitely hurt the tra- tr- the traditional classic story types because you have to pop a rating every week. 
And uh, you know, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, the big the cutbacks that the uh, WWE has done. What what do you think of the odds are that we might have a um, the, all those guys cut start their own kind of uh, promotion? I don't think we're going to see another new promotion, but what I do think we're going to see is I think we're going to see some of these, uh, you know, indies that were maybe on the verge of breaking out have more of an opportunity to do so because of, you know, what's available talent-wise. <laughs> so I think we're going to see, you know, rather than some guys getting together and starting the promotion, I think we're going to see a group of guys go around and travel and help build up the industry and grow some companies to the point where they can be discussed as, you know, real alternatives with some exposure and some distribution. And, uh, well, let me ask you this. What do you think is the worst thing going on in the business right now? The worst thing going on in the business right now? Besides Triple H. (laughs) I'm sorry to say I think the worst thing going on in the business right now is just kind of watching uh, kind of watching WWE sort of wither here and I hate to say it it's just the more I see happen the more I think they're positioning for a sale and I think if a sale happens everything that you and I have grown up and known will just be completely different and honestly the fact that that could happen really scares the hell out of me because a good portion of my life and my love for wrestling is always going to be centered around WWE and no matter what whether it's watchable unwatchable whatever the age may be you know, I'm always going to come back to WWE no matter what, and I feel like if there's a sale, chances are we could lose it. Uh, Sean's our guest here. we got about uh, three minutes here left before we got to sign off. But, uh, you know, uh, we do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to join us, and you've been most awesome. Uh, but uh, So we can do this here. Uh, if our fans want to check you out, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? For sure. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook at Sean Kramars. Uh, the show will give you spelling uh, somewhere because uh, it's a weird name. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean Kramars. Um, easiest, of course, is to always just follow the closed fist on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. If you follow the closed fist, you can keep track on everything I'm doing. Uh, easy follow, too. And uh, you never know what kind of stars you're going to see us come across, uh, you know, with PPW. We've got Kurt Angle coming to the Pocono Slam Fest next month on January 15th. We've got Fiona Ferrazzo coming. We've got Maven coming. We've got Debo Brown coming. We've got Alexander Hammerstone coming. I mean, there's just so much stuff happening, and we'll tell you how to be a part of it. And uh, come out and hang out. We'll even give you a free T-shirt. <laughs> well, do you think maybe you can uh, have the icon come and do some guest commentary? Uh, if I if I find a promotion where I can get an open commentary seat for sure, maybe uh, maybe in Rochester I'll have you guys come up for some of the mall shows. Uh, that's going to be a good time. How far are you guys from Rochester, New York? Well, uh, I live well, in I'll Arkansas. What, <laughs> I, I'm in Fargo, North Dakota, but uh, uh, Big Swing himself he lives in uh, he lives in New York. Oh yeah, you're a fellow New Yorker. Yeah. Thanks thanks for staying. Most of us want to leave. <laughs> well, you know, uh, the thing in, is, I the live reason, in Arkansas. Yeah, the reason Great why place. he's not with us, you know, he uh, he bought a bar out there in uh, in um, <laughs> in uh, New York, so uh, he's been spending much time with that. So uh, we we are glad for his success, uh, but uh, we just wish that he would. Uh, 
you know, be able to join us every now and then. But uh, Granny and I seem to have a handle on it. But uh, <laughs> Icon, I can assure you, I can assure you that it's not you. I can assure you that Big Swing wants to be back. I haven't even spoken to the man, but I can tell you right now, he's going through hell dealing with the New York State SLA, the State Liquor Authority. He's going through a living hell right now, so that's why he's not around. <laughs> and, uh, well, you know, the one thing he does have to look forward to is his Cowboys are doing fine. But, well, I'll tell you oh, what, we do oh, thank you for – You're going to make me vomit. Yeah. When you, you're going to make me vomit. Buffalo Bills all the way. My commentary partner wheels with a Z over at Daddy F Productions is a big Cowboys fan, too. And I swear, all these Cowboys fans, they're like a cult. Yeah, well, well I'll tell you what. So I'm... You, Sean, just so you know, I don't like the Cowboys, don't like the Cowboys at all. I'm a Chief, Kansas City Chiefs girl, so that's my team. And uh, I'm a Vikings fan because I'm in North Dakota. Last year in the playoffs. <laughs> Well, I'm hoping and, that we uh, can make it again. I mean, we 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 trumped on those Raiders yesterday, forty-eight to nine, and that made me so very happy. And uh, real quick here, you know, you mentioned the Buffalo Bills. Uh, North Dakota does have a connection to Buffalo. Uh, number ninety, Phil Hansen, used to play for uh, the Buffalo Bills, and he's one of the uh, audio commentators uh, for the NDSU Bison here in Fargo. So we sent we uh, sent Phil, Phil Hansen to you guys. I had a Phil Hansen jersey growing up, one of my favorite defensive ends, one of the most underrated players we've ever had, and, and maybe one of the most underrated in NFL history. It took a long time for people to talk about Phil Hansen. They didn't until the end of his career, which is a damn shame. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, we do appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll definitely have you on again. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Sean. Hey, pleasure's all mine. All right, take care, bud. You too. Talk soon. All right, bye. All right, so uh, we have a big show next week. If you want to find out what we're doing, uh, you got to uh, check out our Facebook page and uh, see who we got next week. We got a big show. Uh, we have a uh, a co-host uh, returning, making uh, her appearance uh, as the new and first member of the Ten Timers Club, ladies and gentlemen. So you don't want to miss that, and there'll be some fun wackiness, giveaways, and all that other good stuff. But uh, until next week, we all want you to be safe, uh, be nice to each other, and uh, we'll see you all here next week. Uh, and until then, we will see you all then. You think you Have a great week.
Secretary Lloyd Austin has approved recommendations from top commanders that none of the military personnel involved in the botched drone strike be punished. The strike on August 29th, which killed seven children and three other civilians, was the last U.S. drone strike before American troops withdrew from Afghanistan. The military officials who approved the strike believe they were targeting an operative of ISIS-K, but evidence later showed the suspected explosives they believed to be inside a white Toyota Corolla were actually water tanks for an aid worker's family. One of two Danish crew members missing from a capsized barge has been found dead in the hull after an overnight collision with a British cargo vessel in the Baltic Sea. The two ships collided whilst travelling in fog and darkness near the Danish island of Bornholm, opened an investigation into drunkenness at sea. Business news and on Wall Street, markets were trading solidly lower on Monday, with all eyes on the Federal Reserve's final gathering of 2021 set for later this week. FSN's U.S. correspondent Kate Fisher reports. As investors remained cautious about how the Omicron variant will impact the economy and what the Federal Reserve will announce on Wednesday, the S&P 500 pulled back from its record open by falling 0.9%. The Dow Jones also fell 0.9%. The technology-focused Nasdaq was down 1.4%. The travel industry was one of the biggest losers on Monday. American Airlines fell 4.9%, Delta Airlines 3.4%, and cruise company Carnival dropped 4.9%. From Bureau's Worldwide, this is FSN. With FSN Spotlight, I'm Simon Marks, with an update today on an American diplomat's wife accused of killing a British teenager in a traffic accident two years ago. Anne Sekoulas will finally go on trial next month after a landmark agreement was struck by the U.S. and British governments. She'll appear by video link from the U.S. to face charges of dangerous driving related to the killing of Harry Dunn, who was on a motorbike near an RAF base in Northamptonshire. She's reported... Thank you. 